Hello, and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. Today, we're joined by Paul Caldwell, Health and Wellbeing Manager at Co-op. Paul's going to be talking to us about senior leadership, Co-op's values, and also sharing key takeaways that you can implement in your organisation today and tomorrow. Hello, Paul. How are you? Very well, Harry. How are we? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Thank you for taking the time out today to join the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. We're very excited to to get you on today to be able to share your insights as to all of the excellent work that you've done with Co-op as Head of Wellbeing. I guess where we'd love to start is around initiatives and interventions. And what's the the one intervention that you've seen over the last year, year and a half that's really worked within your organisation? If you've got any that that didn't quite work out, that would be really great to share with our our listeners as well. Biggest one has to be time, Mm -hmm. giving people time. So we've done a number of things uh, where we've created space and time for people to focus on wellbeing. So the first one's our mental health manager training, where we've had... Uh, all of our leaders, giving them two and a half hours in a virtual room with people they don't know, facilitated by one of our L&D team to really get under the skin of what is mental health. Um, And out of the back of that, giving them time to process it and work it through with their teams. And time is probably the most important thing that you you can give leaders to give them that space to to become familiar with wellbeing, what it's all about, what, what they can do to be helping their teams. They're at the heart of making sure that well-being is and remains a focus. So, Paul, the, the question I've wanted to ask, and it, it takes away from that, that last one, but I was desperate to ask it, is around the production side that I kind of saw in BBC and having that remote staff, those, I remember you and I spoke, there were staff in islands in Scotland that, you know, how do I communicate with those people? And I'm sure there's people listening that were struggling with having that workforce away from home. So how do you communicate with with all those people who are quite remote? Any way we can. Throw everything at it. Uh, we use uh, Cascade, we use email, we use Yammer, uh, we use posters. So ship posters out to store to put up on the wall. Anything you can. Um, the there is an acceptance from from people that this is about them and them as a person. And so you can break the mould from standard communication channels because people will accept it because it's about them. That's, yeah, that's really, really interesting. I think that's an important thing to, to kind of note when we're looking at communications from well-being outside of the normal internal communications. And if in doubt, ask. You can't get it wrong if you ask and, and then do what, what people suggest. Uh, another one we've tried is send stuff to home. Mm-hmm. Uh, address it to the colleague, but they'll put it on the table. Uh, the wife, the girlfriend, the husband, the kids will read it and pick it up, uh, and that can spark a conversation. So it, you can get the whole family involved in something um, by accident. Fascinating. That's absolutely fascinating. And just going back to the previous point on time, I guess we're going to have people and, and people that work alongside senior leadership teams that aren't fully bought into well-being at the moment. Um, it is a bit of a journey that organisations seem to be embarking on over the last 18 months and, and maybe before then as well. How do you convince the senior leadership team to give people time, especially as we're so time poor? Because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Really simple. Uh, we're a values-driven organisation. Uh, we're trying to build a culture that aligns to our vision, to our values, and therefore it's totally right that we we give time to well-being. Um, others might not be in the same space, but for us it was the right thing to do. Mm. 
Yeah. So in terms of, you've talked about this in terms of values and, you know, I've spoken to you around duty of care. So can you kind of define what duty of care is with, with wellbeing at co-op specifically? I don't think it's any different to any other organisation, duty of care. Duty of care is the bare minimum that, that you have to do. We're talking about value add. We're talking about going beyond that and, and making the colleague feel like we actually give a damn about them. Hmm. Uh investing in them showing them that this isn't just about a little product or a tick box it's it's about giving them something meaningful uh listening to them responding to the things that they tell us so always listening always listening and and responding to what you hear and I think that the authenticity just comes through. That's the one tip that when Jack, um, I was on the flip side and Jack was interviewing me on one of the early episodes of the podcast, asked what's the one tip that you could give? It's not about a wellbeing platform. A wellbeing platform facilitates um, good wellbeing and it can help with the communications and give people the skills. But it's all to do with authenticity, that you could have the best platform in the world, you could have the best interventions and solutions, but without that authenticity, it all falls down. And, and that's something I really hear from, from you, Paul, when we've had our conversations. I know one of the big things we've spoken about is inclusivity and accessibility, especially as you've got such a wide range of types of workers, different ages, different demographics located in different areas across the country, um, different types of workers, some on their bums, some on their feet. How do you look to make well-being inclusive and accessible when you've got so many people and so many different needs? Uh, we haven't tried. Mm -hmm. really honest and um, it's on our priority list something we need to do more on uh, but we're happy to say we're yeah. not getting it right right now um we will do better so yeah we've we've now got an amazing network of colleagues that support disability our band group our lgbt group and all of them are come have come together to tell us how we're doing so yeah right now we don't don't do a very good job but we will do better so much respect for that, Paul. I think that's that's a lot of the learnings that we're also looking from this podcast. Is it's not just people going, yeah, we're great at this and that. It's also going, we we struggle with this at the moment, but we're planning to move forward. So, there, is there anything else over the years that you've been in this role that you think actually we had to make some adjustments and there were some learnings around this? I think it'd be great if there were some lessons for people listening. Lots and lots along the way. Um, I've been in role four years now. Uh, we started from a blank sheet of paper. We've tried some things. We've got rid of them. Uh, we've tried new things and, and got rid of other things. I think it's easy to be a bit hard on yourself. Um, you have to test and learn. Mm. Um, you know, you're dealing with people. You, you might try something. Tell people you're trying it out. Um, and, and that's what we've done. If we're trying something, we will be honest and say, we're giving it a go. We think it mm -hmm. might work. If it doesn't work, then we'll, we'll pull it out and, and call it a day and try something different. Um, we've done a few things over the years on uh, trying to do better support on attendance management. It was too complicated. Our processes were too complicated. Um, we parachuted something in that fundamentally should never have worked for us, but we were naive and didn't realise it. Uh, so we kept trying and kept trying and kept trying and, that, and we came to a point and we just drew the line and said we, we need to back this out and uh, and forget about it um, but that's okay so you know we've we learned a valuable lesson I think that's just so refreshing to hear Jack I can I can see it on your face at the moment as well that we get people that, that can sugarcoat things at times um, in, in well-being 
and say that they're doing all of these things, but actually do they align with then the values? And it's so important to start with that values piece and then build the well-being initiatives and the strategy around that. Um, because as we say, there's no point in putting together a well-being platform if the culture's not there to support it. There's no point in getting people to open up and building that psychologically safe environment if the environment isn't actually psychologically safe um, within there. I guess another thing, Paul, is we spoke about the organizational side of things, but as a, a well-being expert yourself or working within the well-being space, uh, what are the big challenges that you face in your day-to-day -day job role? We've got a lot of listeners um, that are, are working with well-being at the moment. And it'd just be really interesting to see if you've got the same challenges that, that they may face as well. Oh, well, I mean, that's a hard question. Um, everything changes so quickly. Mm. So working in a corporate, corporates want long-term plans. And for well-being, you can't do that. Uh, you, you know where you want to get to and you know what the next two or three steps might be, but you can't set out that four-year, five-year plan because things move so quickly. And COVID is a great example of how things can, in the blink of an eye, just, just change. Um, and last year, we found we had to throw everything in the bin that we said we were going to do in the year and start again and bring together a, a little crack squad of people from across the organisation to help us do that. What we found really helpful is, again, listening to bring people together. There are plenty of people in your organization that have an interest. You probably don't know it. You might know it, but they're always willing to help. So you might you might not have a huge resource, mm. but, but shout out to people. They'll come uh, and, and they'll be an amazing help and ally for you. It sounds like community is a big part of, of co-op and, and well-being. Is that the case? It's intrinsic in everything we do. Uh, you know, we're a community retailer. We're all about what we do in, in the community generally. But yeah, within within the organisation itself, we've got pockets of community. Um, we're across 4,000 locations. So we almost describe it as 4,000 individual cultures mm. determined by the leader. Uh, and that's why the leader is so important because that is their little world. You can't control that from Manchester. It's not possible. You've got to give them the ability to itself. Oh, so it's so refreshing to hear this, Paul. Um, so thank you so much. In terms of, we've got a, a short amount of time left. Are there any tips that you'd like to be able to share with our audience um, that, that have worked really well or something that actually requires improvement in the space? I think my, my top tips are start small, don't do nothing, listen. Uh, and, and respond. Be prepared to admit that you're, you're getting things wrong. It's okay. People will respond to that authenticity and that vulnerability. Um, you know your organisation and people best. Tailor it to that. It doesn't have to cost the earth. You can get loads of stuff for nothing. Um, be prepared to look for it and put in a bit of hard graft and, and you will get there. Brilliant. It goes too quick, Jesus. every single one. <laughs> Honestly, um, I could just talk for hours. So thank you so much, Paul. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Paul, for sharing your insight, energy and expertise when it comes to workplace health. For more episodes like this, please click on the subscribe link in your favourite podcast platform. And we hope to see you on the next episode.